0: hello dr james k harris Uh oh Oh, hello dr nick
1: flores it's so are you wonderful to see you overall i'm I'm here, I wouldn't say wonderful, but I'm here and I'm alive yeah. and yeah, I don't want to get into the habit of, you know, it all, it could be better or it could be worse because that is just futile and unproductive. So I'm here, I'm alive, I'm grateful, no complaints. How are you?
0: Look, I told you when last we met that I needed a break. I needed a break. I was crawling to break and we finally, at Easter, like 12 weeks into the semester, Mm -hmm. got a spring break and it was glorious. So I am just coming off of a solid week and a half spent just like laying on my couch or sometimes in my bed. I walk the dog a lot. It was finally warm and sunny in New York. Mm. I'm not mad at the world. Mm, Yeah. I mean, and what do you know? Next week's already summer. Hey, look at
1: that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Silver linings or something. You, you are listening to Learning on the Job, wherein us two big old queer PhDs of color talk about our experiences and how we have to navigate this world of higher education, this world that was not ultimately designed for us, but yet we're here anyways, and you know, we're here. We're queer. We're just trying out to get fired, basically. And oh. amen. I don't wanna get fired. I don't really have a plan B. I mean, oh. I could make a plan B if
0: I needed to, but this was plan B, <laughs> Nancy. Um, yeah. I, the realness, right? It's like, yeah, no, I, I look, I'll land on my feet if I absolutely have to, but don't make me, I like it here, it's, I like it. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, it, I
1: also enjoy it as masochistic as academy as the academy usually is it's um it's a good hurt sometimes gosh man who are we who am i what Mm. are we it's such a great great question disgusting (laughs) at least in the moment so let's just like briefly check in you know it's you're getting off of break we are rounding out the semester and you know knowledge we hope has been produced uh we hope knowledge has been gained we hope knowledge has been
0: spread amen
1: Uh, so you know how is how is this time of the year going for you and you know so even reflecting back a year ago when we were you know mostly in virtual space um you know we're, we're now in a time where there's like this weird, we're in person, some stuff is hybrid, some stuff is mostly virtual. You know, um, masks are mandated and then they're not, and then they're remandated and then they're not. You know, how are you? How are you holding up at, as the semester
0: rounds out? Oh, you know, <clears throat> what a loaded question. And thank you for asking, really Um, because I'm excited to think through it and think out loud about it, just bear with me. I think that it's scalar, right? I'm thinking about it as like different questions. Like I think relative to where we were earlier this semester, I'm feeling better about my students. I'm like just generally right. I feel like they're doing like I feel like they needed the break as much as I needed the break. Like we came back to we've had a couple of days back from the break of class now, and you can feel the shift in the energy. Like they're like excited to get stuff done again. Like they want to be done and they want to turn work in. And like they are mm-hmm. coming to class, whether they're doing anything in class, sort of a different story, which we could talk about in a bit. Uh, but like they are physically attending at least, which is a nice change of pace. in my one in person class, although I have to say, like to the question of like okay so that is relative to earlier this semester i feel like we're doing okay i feel like we're in a place where we're starting to where we're ending on a higher note than we had been in the middle we hit a real low there right before spring break where everyone was sort of just like dropping out of the class without officially dropping out of the class Um, and it Mm -hmm. feels like people are coming back and trying to finish out strong relative to where we were last year i must say i feel and this maybe is just unique to us in New York or at BCC, I don't know, but it feels like I am tremendously disappointed by how much it doesn't feel like anything has really changed. Like it feels like there's a tiny handful of things happening in person, but our in-person presence is truly a shadow of what it was before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily seem from our end, like that's going to change. Like it seems like, we went into this pandemic and realized that we were no longer competing against in-person colleges we were competing against you know university of phoenix like there is now no reason the student would go to our campus who would otherwise could have gone to university of phoenix right we don't have an in-person campus we don't have the kind of infrastructure and resources that would draw them the way that we used to be able to and so we sort of pivoted towards competing with online schools in a way. So we have mm-hmm. a lot more online program, like this entire, I've been serving on curriculum committee this entire semester and it's just been like, Two things, eliminating all of our uh, remedial coursework at the behest of CUNY Central and adding online coursework or online degrees in almost every program. Like if you haven't gotten it yet, you're going to get an online degree. And so it's this weird sense that like, yes, we are kind of back in person, but we're also just becoming a school that I think is always going to be less in person than it was before the pandemic. And I'm not sure how to feel about that.
1: Yeah. Like on
0: the one hand... No, I was just gonna say,
1: no, thank you for sharing. And, you know, I know that we have very different experiences, you know, on the higher ed front with you, you know, in BCC. And then I'm over here at U of I, Urbana-Champaign, you know, the flagship university school or or Illinois school, um, public school. And, you know, so, it's interesting to hear your perspective and observations about students who are recognizing the uh, the less ba- like the, the 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 lack of maybe demarcation sometimes in you know what they can get there versus what they can get in primarily online education, you know, in degrees um, or institutions that primarily do online education versus like here, I think that they, the University of Illinois, and I mean, I I think a lot of big public institutions um, that have large sports programs are also still really selling the in-person, right? And I think that what I've observed is the shift of students coming here as as a social means, as opposed to one of like receiving an education per se, like that, that seems to be an appendix or that seems to be an addendum to coming here to party or coming here to watch sports or coming here to, um, participate in the kind of social life that they have imagined. But that is also, you know, also, you know, communicated to them before they get here about parties and weekends and, you know, that kind of thing. And so, you know, on, on one end, you're talking about, you know, students who are enrolling in your classes or at BCC who are, you know, saying, well, maybe I just don't want to go there because I can get what I need at X institution that does primarily online. Right. And here it's like, OK, so education is also the kind of in-person education component, I think, is becoming less uh, of an appeal than is the kind of social you know what i'm collapsing here into kind of the party aspect of of going to college and so like it's interesting to hear your observation because i'm observing something you know similar but in a different direction
0: no, and that makes a lot of sense. Like our good mutual friend, Arielle, was, we were talking about this not that long ago, and she was saying like at Ohio State, where she's uh, currently uh, lecturing, she was saying that it feels like they're moving all of education, higher ed is moving in a kind of entertainment model, But like mm-hmm. our job at this point is to keep our students really well entertained, and like whether or not they're learning, eh, that's sort of secondary, because they're customers, and it's our job to make sure they're having a good time so they keep coming back.
1: That's fascinating. It's like, yeah, the entertainment It
0: definitely component. feels like there's a lot of like, yeah, the, like as higher education becomes like under stress and pressure from so many different directions, student loan crisis, right? Which is really, I think also about a reevaluation for this upcoming generation about the value of college. Like, mm-hmm. is it actually worth taking out thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt to go to these programs and then if i'm gonna go what is the value i expect to get out of it right what is it that i as a customer want my school to perform for me and i think like at this moment colleges are really scrambling to figure out how to uh, draw students in and almost no college's answer seems to be make a really robust educational infrastructure right because like Mm -hmm. that's boring and that's played and also what's the value in that yeah. And
1: I mean, I guess my reaction would be that you and I, or at least I'll speak for myself, actually, like I have a buy-in to that. Like, you know, I, I recently admitted to one of my classes that, you know, I actually really do enjoy academic writing, like the genre of like academic text and the prose, right. Is Certainly. alienating to some and is often off-putting to most and i have really as far back as i can remember as far back as i've been in a classroom i have really enjoyed that challenge because it's a challenge for me and i get that you know i am not speaking for or can speak to everyone's interests or how they value you know things but i at least for me i'm i'm invested because i'm interested in it that is a time of entertainment for me right but i recognize you know what you're observing is that that's like that's not everyone right like and it isn't and part of what the frustration is is not only colleges and universities scrambling to figure out you know how to sell themselves but also the shifting of that kind of entertainment right beyond things like the sports the social activities that they do beyond the classroom right kind of being shifted onto you know, our shoulders, right? Absolutely. And then now we're having to figure out how to, like, I refuse, and I've said this before, to make a TikTok and to make any type of social media account in order to- I was literally going to say, we've talked about this before. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to point up in the air where there's nothing there for me to edit about what I'm pointing at. Like, I'm I'm not doing it. I just, I have no patience.
0: I'm not doing it um uh we're too young to be this old but also
1: but but also agree no but you know like you're gonna have to like sit through my 15 minute video which i've cut back from an hour-long video that i could have just like posted up
0: to get when i
1: tell you information you need so okay we're i think we're straying but what bizarre moment and i appreciate your observations and your insights about you know the, the the students and I think we're actually going to circle back to this um, in a segment in a bit. But you know I want to acknowledge the the kind of what you've called earlier the scalar inference yeah. the scalar encounter with how you know you're, you're you're dealing with the end of the semester or you know maybe translating into can hire it in general because i think i'm right there with you it just is a little like the elements are all there they're just like expressed a little differently i would say certainly
0: certainly i should ask before we move on if there's anything else you want to throw in how are you feeling how are how are you how are you these have you been oh baby
1: girl like i think we should get a dollar for every time we say exhausted on this show um (laughs) I think we might have like 10 bucks, 11 bucks, maybe uh, I'm exhausted. I am exhausted. I forget that, you know, not only is it the end of the semester for students and, you know, I, I tend to be empathetic in ways that take on my students' concerns and frustrations and anxiety and Certainly. stress. But then, you know, I have deadlines and there are documents and there are reports that are also due that I have a hand in you know, that have to also get done. And my gosh, the amount of work that just piles up and not because I invite it or because I want it to, but because as I'm learning, it is expected. Um, It's a lot. So a little exhausted, you know, got, I can always tell when I'm stressed and tired, my telltale sign, my body tells me this when my eyes start to twitch, specifically my right <laughs> eye, and it's been twitching here lately and I can tell, like, Oh girl, you need to rest more and you drink more water because your eye, you know, I'll I'll be sitting there in class and I'll just like start going. Um, but fortunately no one is close enough to actually like witness and I usually don't keep my camera on so no one can usually tell. But I'm just sitting there like, Why am I doing this? What what's going on? What is what is life?
0: Ah. Uh. I feel very seen by just like the physicality of exhaustion manifesting. It's just like, oh, I guess it's time to check back in with my body and treat myself like a human again. Hmm. Yeah.
1: For sure. I mean, cause well, that, yeah, it's usually the first thing to go, right? Is the
0: body. Tr- truly, especially in this job where like you could not move for days on end and it'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Um and it's but often hey, been
1: encouraged. Oh. <laughs>
0: Not going to do it because we are going to talk about success or not really success, but rather, you know, in the immortal words of Samuel Beckett from Worseford Ho, uh, ever tried, ever failed, no matter, try again, fail again, fail better. Uh, and it's our segment, Failing Better, where we, you know, like try to find some examples of things in the world that are maybe, I don't know what success is anymore, but they feel better.
1: Or mm-hmm. in that direction. They just—they are gesturing toward
0: gesturing toward.
1: Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I was recently made aware today, in fact, and it was also announced today, and we'll certainly have several links in the show notes. Um, so the Department of Education has made more than seventy institutions newly eligible, newly eligible to participate in its what they're calling second chance Pell experiment. In an effort to make a college education more accessible to incarcerated people, so I don't know how I did not know about this program. This started during the Obama Biden administration, uh, and it was first launched in twenty fifteen, and the the premise was that Pell grants, which are you know often for low income uh, people uh, or people who you know don't make a certain threshold, to have access to federal monies called Pell Grants, um, that they've expanded this to include incarcerated people, uh, incarcerated students. And as of Tuesday, April 26th, uh, there will likely be about 200, if not more, institutions that are approved to participate in this experiment. Also the use of experiment here is really uh, fascinating, we can talk about that in a minute. Um, but, you know, it will now be, this program will now be in most 50 states in the U.S. And access for incarcerated students is set to begin in 2020, 2023, July 1st. Um, and I mean, it's, it's, seems really great. I mean, it, you know, on, on face value, like, let's get incarcerated folks, you know, who are, majority people of color, Black, Latinx people in the US. Let's get them, you know, access to monies. Um, I will also note that most of the institutions that are participating in this program are community colleges. Uh, and so, you know, it's about also getting people education
0: at little to no cost. Um,
1: yeah. Important, but... necessary.
0: I'm truly, thank you for bringing, I was also today years old when I learned this existed. Um, And I'm really genuinely shocked by that because I work in a community college and it seems like a thing that I would have heard about, but I guess that's a conversation for me to have with some of my colleagues. Um, I think this, Billy, I think I'm with you. Like I am always profoundly skeptical when the government does anything, but I'm kicking the tires here and I'm struggling to find the bad. This seems just good. Um, I do want to just sit for a second with some staggering statistics, two in particular from the uh, press release. Every year over 640,000 people are released from state and federal prisons, and more than 70 million Americans have a criminal record that creates significant barriers to employment, economic stability, and successful re-entry into society. Um, this country is yeah. so broken. That's insane. Wow,
1: broken, and, you know, the the Chronicle article where they are sharing some of this news, uh, as well as um, a few other sources have have some anecdotal information about people who, you know, were getting more trades degrees, but who had jobs, you know, as soon as they were out of as soon as they were out of prison. Um, which is necessary, important to the fresh start, right? I mean, hey, let's talk about yeah. prison
0: abolition. One of the right? other one of the other notes here, right? Because of these barriers, nearly seventy-five percent of people who were formerly incarcerated are still unemployed a year after being released, right? Mm-hmm. So like it's it is it's the cyclical nature of the prison system, right? I would like to know of that six hundred and forty thousand, how many are indivi- like unique individuals as opposed to people who keep getting out and going back in because the system mm-hmm. is so cyclical.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so like the idea that there's a ladder, anything at all that might allow you to get out of that cycle, I don't know. Again, this country is really sick and deeply broken. Um, I am struggling to see why this would be a bad thing. I say yes to this.
1: I say yes to this too. And as someone who has family members immediate and extended who have been in and out of, especially the prison system, both state and federal, I have witnessed firsthand very much that cyclical, like you have a record, denied jobs, trying to right. find jobs, and then how do you how do you get money? And, and then it's it's a really really fucked broken system. And so, you know, I this has actually prompted me to look at institutions where these family members might even qualify or get in. You know. Um,
0: Get some of this Pilgrim help. I mean, my father is one of them. Truly, like, I can't. Out. I mean, it' like 70 million, 70 million Americans. There's like, if you don't know one of these people, you are living in a very specific rich people bubble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's, well, hey,
1: as that meme of Oprah and Lindsay Lohan, or rather the meme that came out of the Oprah interview of Lindsay Lohan, hey. Celebrate that, you know.
0: <laughs> I mean, and and in a similar, honestly, you meme a slightly lower tone. You meme <laughs> at a even at an Low-hanging even slightly fruit. lower tone. Um, I think that I have a bit of news out of New York, and so we've been talking at CUNY about you know our state budget. I think this is interesting at a national level because our big push has been to make CUNY free again. Once upon a time in the 70s, CUNY used to be tuition free. Um, and then obviously- That, that like became like such a utopia, like fantasy. My God. What's crazy is like, as with uh, what it like baggage fees on airlines, it was always supposed to be a temporary solution to a budget mm-hmm. shortfall, right? Like tuition was never supposed to be a permanent part of the plan. $75 it was just like, well, later. until we get <laughs> Until we get it under control, obviously we're all in this together. Uh, And here we all are. And so we did not get that. Uh, That remains an ask that I think, again, will have some pretty extraordinary national implications. But we did get a bunch of money for hiring some new faculty, a bunch of money for expanding, um, improving some infrastructure. Uh, They're restoring childcare funding to the campuses. Like we at BCC are finally getting our childcare center back in the fall, which has been, I mean, truly, another of the massive impediments to getting people to want to come back in person to class is like, one of the things the pandemic taught them is life's much easier if you don't also have to figure out childcare and who's going to get my kids to where they need to be right alongside mm-hmm. school. Like, and so helping out in any way makes, I think, a much bigger difference on the ground than I even had realized before I started working in these spaces. Like it matters a lot. Um, and so there's a bunch of stuff here that matters a lot. It's not as much of the stuff as we had asked for it's, which was, it seems to me, still slightly less than what we might've actually needed. Um, but it is certainly more than we were ever gonna get with he who shan't be named governor, <laughs> uh, the old dude. Mm-hmm. So we'll take who, it who, and we'll who take who it and we'll from, keep asking for-
1: Who comes from a long well, what?
0: line of- <laughs> Just political- Terrible white men. Family. Um, All over the state just a name that you hear it and you're like, yeah, I've heard that name before. And then you dig deeper and you're like, oh, that was actually really bad. That ended really badly. Why are his kids famous in politics?
1: What is the term for families who maintain political power and by maintaining political office?
0: Oh, I couldn't tell you.
1: Is it oligarchy for 500? Is it... <laughs> What is it?
0: I honestly couldn't tell you the specific because it feels like, oh, I was gonna nepotism, nepotism, but like, yeah, it feels like it's different than that.
1: Man, this is how fried I am. I can't even give you that. I mean, I'm back from vacation and can't find it either. So most most state legislatures are chock full of precisely the generations and families of political office. It's and, truly
0: sh- I mean yeah. I remember from my very brief time in like studying political science how shocking like the way you get elected is to have a name that people recognize and so like most people are just getting elected because it's a familiar name which is how political dynasties happen like we don't, you just go with the name you already know or you go with like the craziest name like famously there was a guy in circleville which is like right outside of athens where i went to undergrad who was like running for mayor and his last name was pancake and everybody knew it was a shoe in because it was like well obviously mayor pancake it's like people are dumb, but also like, yeah, they're just voting based on name. It's just the same families over and over and over again because that's the name they know.
1: Yeah. Again, kind of circling back to the wins for the CUNY system, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm excited. And I hope that in a matter of time, you can report back or share with us, you know, your direct witnessing of some of these funds, hopefully.
0: We are very, very excited at BCC to receive at least some of this infrastructural support, because really, Mm. we could use it. Um, And it sounds like it's coming. Man. So we're going to be grateful, and we're going to say thank you.
1: Right, right.
0: Right. For gritted teeth. Mm -hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take
1: a quick break? Let's do it. Let's take a very short break.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're back. I couldn't go high. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I felt, I but I felt you, trying and it, it, it supported the effort. It felt you know, real and good to me. Mm, mm. So normally, this is the part where we do like you know disingenuous arguments because the mm-hmm. world is full of bullshit arguments. And normally, mm-hmm. it's not worth taking the time. But we mm-hmm. made a show so we could take the time to work through them. And so that's typically what we do here. Uh, and maybe we're going to do something sideways or, I guess, sitting alongside Set-wise. that. Sideways. There it is. Uh, Because we've, you and I, right before we started recording, we're having a conversation that I think maybe many of us have been having in different ways and throughout Mm -hmm. this year. Um, And it's around this nebulous idea that seems to be showing up a lot and we're talking about it more, but like not really sure what to say. It's student engagement. It's what's going Mm -hmm. on and what are we supposed to do about it? Is it, I guess, so I guess we'll start with is it as bad over there as it is over here? Terrible,
1: James, and I am since like week six, seven, have noticed marked difference in participation, in engagement, in overall participation. You know, I just like fucks given. Zero. And I and and, you know I I can't say that I wouldn't be the same way. I just don't know. It's it's so hard to imagine being a student at this time. I, yeah. I mean, so uh, so I'm curious on your end, James. When did you observe maybe a decline in engagement, participation?
0: Oh, I. Ours has been pretty bad all semester long. Um, mm-hmm. I think like there was a bit, I ours has been pretty bad all year. Um, I would say at the beginning of the fall, there was a kind of excitement around like maybe we're all coming back. Uh, but mm-hmm. then Omicron happened and like coming back started to not feel safe again. And people didn't really want to be on campus much at all. And a whole bunch of people were sort of moving classes online and a whole bunch of classes were like, I last fall was already in a hybrid modality. So we were only ever on campus half the days anyway. And so this mm-hmm. semester was supposed to be sort of the big, okay, for real, for real, we're coming back in person, we're returning. Um, and it, it feels like the students kind of were like, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. And we didn't quite show it so they never quite showed up you know it's like and it feels like this semester i don't know if it ever really got off the ground and so it feels like it's hard to measure student engagement because i feel like they were never here to begin with like i didn't lose them because i never had yeah yeah no that that's
1: that's so interesting and fascinating because i think i mean and thank you for including the fall too because i mean i'm just talking or my my kind of frame of reference right now is really only this spring semester and i would say i had much more engagement last semester and i was doing a hybrid format even though i had not like i I was personally doing a hybrid format because i wanted my i want my learning communities to be accessible but technically my class is in person and i didn't have to do this hybrid model you know it's it wasn't expected of me as something that I wanted to do. Um, And last year I had, you know, I think I had a lot of engagement at the beginning and then it kind of dwindled and petered out as the semester progressed. Um, and then of course, you know, the influx at the end of the semester of people being like, what can I do to make up, you know, the three weeks that I wasn't here or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, But this semester, it started off relatively strong in the first few weeks where people were in person and, you know, they were using the kind of hybrid format if, you know, kind of sparingly. And then, I don't know, like three or four, it was just like sharp decline of in-person participation, little to no, you know, engagement from, you know, maybe... 10 on a good day, people who are online, you know, like, I think they were just kind of logging in. Um, and I was doing everything I could to make, you know, things engaging, right? Like, I've learned so much this semester about different tools, <laughs> especially online tools about, you know, how to engage someone that isn't just like the PowerPoint and the, yeah. you know, all of these like forms and all of these quizzes, like, you know, whatever. And I mean, it was just dismal, man. And the overall spirit and attitude of of students, I have also noticed is just like declined, right? And, you know, we, in the conversation we were having before we jumped on, I... I don't know about you, James, because I didn't mention this earlier, but I've had so many students this semester, maybe more so than any other semester combined, approach me with all kinds of challenges, all kinds of stressors in their lives that I don't think I was prepared for, you know, from, from really personal, you know, family things to, you know, the typical kind of um, family, you know, grandma being dead kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. issues that, you know. Yeah, no, it's happen. crazy that that's become the mild one. Mm-hmm. No, seriously, I've had students share really intimate and personal details of their lives. And I read and my jaw drops and I'm like, I, I am not trained to help or to, you know, I'm a reporter. can really effectively process case. that but like, information? But just process, like yeah. truly like, oh my gosh, you know, and I'm over here like, why can't you write 300 words? You know, I'm not even asking for <sighs>
0: Oh, like, I feel sane. No, yep. I like, feel like I had that exact conversation yesterday. The student like, who was like, "So I got hit by a car, and my insurance isn't going to cover the cast for another two weeks, so I can't get to class because I don't have a cast." So I'm just like, so about that response paper. Right, <laughs> right. No, and and it feels so it feels so disingenuous to be like I was, <laughs> like, like I don't. I can't what am I I don't but I'm but so I have sorry to have friend. something yeah I like, do but I, I have to have something like I can't I, you don't
1: right no so so you know the the idea that they're they're also they also have lives right and yes. they they're not consumed in our world right like they they likely have other classes right and I try to also recognize that but man, I think that the constellation of forces, including the pandemic and all of like what that entails yeah. with the university more or less demanding that we continue on, right? Yeah,
0: and I is. mean, I really think, I really think I want to like plant a flag. And we've talked a lot about how like, low-wage workers are people who, like, the pandemic was very different, right? Because they got all of the risk and none of the, like, rewards, right? They got none of the security. They didn't get to stay home. They didn't get to work from home. Like, the people who work at Target were at Target the whole way through. Like, Target never closed. Like, and so, like, we understand that in terms of class positionality, but I don't think we appreciate enough that's also, like, all the young people like mm-hmm. young people all have those jobs so like their experience of the pandemic has kind of been from the beginning like first of all half of our media telling them well I don't even know if you need to be worried about this because like you're young you'll be fine and then like also just get your ass out there and go to work but also we've shut down everything you love and it's been this deeply confusing mixed mm-hmm. messaging that's like scarying and disori- scary right. and disorienting right and then school like sits here as this thing that like has a nebulous value that it doesn't do a great job of articulating and hasn't done a great job of redefining post pandemic mm-hmm. or during or whatever in our current moment. And so I think like it's I for so many reasons I can't get inside these students' heads and it's like well I don't yeah. know if we ever will. I or think as, they're living in a reality right. we will not know. ever understand or fully comprehend and because i can't imagine like i can't imagine what it was like to watch all of your teachers be like oh yeah i'm not going out of my house i'll see you on zoom but you have to get on zoom and then go out to target because you got work today
1: yeah yeah i mean you're right and i mean most of my students I would say a majority of my students are all you know are also in the workforce right I mean that's often something that gets mentioned too is like you know okay so after this I have to go to
0: work you know yeah they're I I mean college-aged people they they were the workforce that was the like group of people that were the most Mm -hmm. aggressively represented in the low-wage workforce that like had no pandemic time off yeah
1: and you know like I think I think this is also colored by my attempts to really alleviate some of the stresses, right? So I don't know if I've shared this before and I, and I may have, but this semester was the first time ever where I have made my um, attendance add- additive, right? So there was no marks against your not being there, either virtually or in person. Um, and so, it was something that I had seen another professor do, and I got a syllabus, and saw how they worded it, and it was like, okay, I'm gonna try this, right? So, you know, attendance is not equal, you know, you fail or you you pass kind of thing. It's just like, okay, come and be present when you are available. Um, but in addition to, you know, reducing, reducing assignment load, reducing reading load, reducing, you know, all these other elements that, you know, I also have control over and have thought I've done a good And maybe me thinking I've done a good job doesn't actually mean I've done a good job, but you know, I have made adjustments to, and I'm not trying to sit here and say like, Oh, like I've done everything in my power that I can. Cause that, that seems also like a disingenuous thing to say. Um, but short of like also creating a learning community that is accessible and is available when people are available has also caused a lot of frustration for me um, because in those moments where the learning community works in hybrid format or otherwise, it really is wonderful and it's beautiful to like witness the intellectual curiosity grow and for yep. the questions to be asked and for the you know the wheels to start turning and the aha moments that you know
0: keep I do invested. know I, I of course I know I know so well in fact that one of the things I'm doing this summer I signed up for a pedagogy workshop for this exact reason because I think that this like I'm willing to let go of just about all the parts of the classroom right like we don't have mm-hmm. to keep the old conventions but I do think that like there's something magical about group work. And -hmm. I would love to figure out how to recapture that in this virtual modality or this, in a way that doesn't penalize students for not being present, right? Like Mm -hmm. how do we both create a model that has kind of,
1: right, and how do we do both? And so I- And and like doesn't put them at risk, right? That doesn't actually put someone at risk of, of, a potential death, right? We're a million and counting, right? Or what is the number now? I mean, it's, it's like that. <laughs> we've that stopped hasn't counting because like, it's embarrassing. It's in, uh, utterly embarrassing and terrifying. And you know, all of all of that, what you've just said, and right, like I have students who have, you know, medical conditions, medical requirements that, you know them coming the students they have was you know at their own kind of
0: expense and it's like I don't I also don't want to be that either I have students who have children under five who can't be vaccinated like there's all kinds of reasons you might not want to be in a classroom at this moment and so like I completely understand that and I think yeah I'm really interested in trying to figure out like how, what do we do with the components of the classroom that are the community uh, in this different mode, because I'm fi- like a lot of the content right you can give the content like distribute the content in different ways like, they don't necessarily have to be sitting in a room listening to me talk at them to get the content, mm-hmm. but they might need to be together. To work together and the working together part is the thing that I can't do like I can't make those conversations I can't have the insights that they will have I can't help them learn from one another right I mean I can help them but I can't you know be the one another they're learning from right and so like yeah that's the thing that I'm really interested in trying to recreate or figure out how to reproduce in a world where we maybe imagine that like the future is students who feel the way about being in the classroom that our students right now feel the feel about being in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I'm not waiting for a switch to flip and for things to go, quote, unquote, back to normal. I think this might be what it is now.
1: Yeah, I think there are a lot of lessons to be learned. And I think, you know, that's one thing that I've come back to that I hear you articulating too is, right, like, what are we learning? And what can we incorporate that is not simply a reinforcement or reproduction of the pre pandemic world? Because that doesn't exist it will not exist and to let that be the goal of the aim is such a futile attempt at a fantasy that that girl get your head out of the sand like please like so what are we learning what can we incorporate and how can we do better yeah i mean i think that i think the question that we've are grappling with in this segment the question behind that question for me is, you know, what are we learning, and how can we do better? Um, yeah. We, regarding student participation, regarding um, involvement, you know, cultivating the curiosity, harvesting the ideas, all of that, right? Um, yes, we it's don't very have the much there. I don't have the answers. Um, if anyone listening has some answers and, or some thoughts, please, please. We encourage you reach out, let us know, let's have a conversation oh my god, it. Yeah. Let's happily do this. let's do this. Oh. Friend, I think we are at the point in the podcast where, and I'm taking over this time And the last two segments are really questions that we like to ask each other because, you know, how often do we get asked these two particular questions in a genuine and sincere way and from someone who actually means it and cares about your response? Um, So I will launch the first one at you. James,
0: what you're reading? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I am doing some you know, prepping for the project that we are launching in June. Uh, So just another reminder that we're launching a, Ariel and I, Ariel Ross and Lover to Pieces are doing a young adult literature podcast that I'm super duper excited about. And so in preparation, I've just been like running through the cutting room floor, all the things that I think I might want to read and have not yet gotten to, or somebody told me you should read this. And I thought, hmm, that doesn't really fit with any of my research interests, but one of these days I'll get to it. Uh, and so this week's, this sort of next one uh, is Laurie Halls Anderson's Speak. It is, it is I think, very, very, very famous. among people who know YA books. Uh, it's about a girl who doesn't talk and, the you know, extrapolate out from there. It's, you know, teenagers and what it's like to be a teenager and what it's like to live inside the mind of a teenage girl specifically. Um, and it was a National Book Award winner, or finalist rather, and truly, like, I think very, very famous. It's It, it came to me by way of I'm writing about, as I'm sure I've mentioned, Alice Childress is a hero and nothing but a sandwich. And they found themselves, the, those two books, This and Speak, being label mates as a part of the new, as a part of a penguin imprint that was also weirdly enough named Speak, which was all about like teen books. And so I'm reading it and thinking about the teenager as a literary trope and figure. um, And it is really weird and really interesting. Uh, And I'm surprised this book managed to get written in 1999, but there you have it. Mm,
1: Thank you for sharing and for dropping the link. I am just going through the site, and it looks fascinating.
0: It is One truly. Day. I mean, it's a, it's a very famous book, uh, and it is interesting and has been pretty aggressively banned in ways that are fun to think and talk about. Um, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. So that it's fun. I'm looking forward to it. I will check back in and let you know, friend. What's you reading? Thank you again for sharing.
1: I am very interested. Uh, So recently I was teaching kind of module and unit on HIV AIDS that was more aligned with my own research in one of my classes and it was really productive and generative. And there was a book chapter that referenced a, um, another author, uh, Sean Stubb, who is actually the founder of Pause Magazine? And Pause Magazine is like, comes out in 1994. It's about and aimed at, you know, people living with HIV or AIDS. Um, really you kind know, of wonderful resource, uh, an archive really of, of you know different moments, both cultural, social, political, economic, in this longer kind of history and trajectory of, of HIV, especially in the US. Um, and so the founder of Paws actually has a memoir entitled Body Counts, a memoir of activism, sex, and survival uh, that I recently got my hands on. Um, again, because I was teaching this other book chapter that referenced uh, Paws magazine multiple times, and then I decided to look into it a little bit more, and you know, found that Sean Strub has a memoir, and so I am you know, kind of parsing through it. I mean, there's a lot of candid, really funny anecdotal like stories in there about, you know, lovers and, um, the kind of ethos or the kind of attitudes at the time when kind of pause is coming into its own during the nineties. Um, it's still a publication today. Um, so it's been really, it's been really good. Cause it's, it's one that I'm not, um, kind of reading linearly. I'm kind of, kind of, you know looking at a chapter title and seeing if it has my interest you know piques my interest and then kind of going in that way um and so it could be read that way or at least i'm reading it that way so it's been really um you know kind of generative for me because he's writing from you know obviously the first person kind of memorial genre but it has a lot of really funny things to say actually about you know the 90s really so that's what I'm reading these days. It's been it's been good. It's also been a reprieve, I think, a little bit from the more kind of academic texts that I am This looks with,
0: so. this looks really interesting. This looks really interesting. I'm just reading now that like one of the comparisons two of the comparisons here, right, are Paul Manette's Borrow Time and Larry Kramer's Larry Kramer's The Normal Heart. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. Both texts I'm quite familiar with. I don't know this mm-hmm. one. Yeah. I mean, th- this was the
1: other thing is like, I had like this, this seems like a text that I should have maybe had on my radar and I somehow managed to not have it there. So, um, yeah, you know, there's all kinds of funny and interesting stories, backdoors, nice. you know, conversations,
0: um, yeah. it looks fascinating, genuinely I- great recommendation. Thank you much. Mm-hmm. Well then I will uh, take the last question. No,
1: I was going to I know you always Now I sound like a little like whiny <laughs> child. No me I will cry, James. And I will I demand believe it. my own. I way.
0: genuinely believe it.
1: <laughs> I will I will present and perform as an only child, though I am not an only child. Um I also know this. <laughs> friend,
0: what you thinking? Oh, uh. Okay, so this is exciting, but also a little bit terrifying. I am um, a crazy person. I'm a crazy person. And so I'm just leaning in and I'm committing and we're getting another, a second dog. Like, there's nothing wrong with my dog. He's fine. I love him. He's great. Uh, I love him so much, in fact, that he spoiled me into thinking all dogs are perfect, right? We should get another dog, Uh, so we're getting another dog. All dogs go to heaven. All dogs go to heaven. Don't say that. He's gonna live forever. They're all gonna live forever. It's gonna be great. Um, and so I'm going out to New Jersey this upcoming Saturday to pick up our new dog. We're very, very, very excited. Uh, it's been quite a. It's been quite a process. My God, adopting a dog in New York City. I truly think it, we could get a kid probably like not necessarily easier, but not harder. That's so interesting to hear but also how exciting. I
1: am excited for Butters and for (laughs) his new companion and I'm excited for you and your household for the new life, the new entertainment, the new companion. All of that, the new chaos, all of that. Yes, 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 all of that that will inevitably ensue. Um, I can't wait to to see pictures. You're
0: sending me pictures.
1: And oh, I will
0: definitely become a videos person. I'm just going to take lots of video of my two dogs running around what? each other. I'm, I've am i already started planning out their costumes, because obviously they have How to do How costumes. How right? precious. Oh. Right? So, do they'll be too? Batman and Robin. <gasps> Hadn't thought about it. Obviously, yes. Oh, because then we can do Christmas costumes, and yes. Butters can be Santa, and the new dog can be an yes. elf. Oh, I love it. I love yes. it so much. Okay, yeah. So that that's I'm I'm becoming that person. I am mm. that person. Mm. I already was. Just accepting it. I friend
1: love this for you. What?
0: I I needed it. It turns out this is what I needed. This is how I wanted to spend my summer. What mm. you thinking?
1: I am thinking about a really really nice deep Malbec glass. Mm. Um, I haven't, I've been trying and mostly succeeding in not drinking, like, like I'm a law student, um, or a lawyer, but I just have this like craving for like a, like a nice small beck. Um, and I think I just, I definitely deserve it. Um, I to be could sure. could not agree more. Could but not agree more. I, but I don't have it. Um, so instead I'm just thinking about it. I'm letting my mouth like salivate and get, you know, excited about the idea of wine in my mouth. Um, but that's where I am, you know, my exhausted self
0: is just like, just give me a glass. Um, I hope that you either get that glass of wine or, you know, a nap on the way to it. either way sounds (laughs) like a good move. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking.
1: I don't have much else, honestly. Uh
0: I don't know that you need much else. We're here at the end of the (laughs) semester. You are enough. Mm.
1: Oh, thank you for the reminder. James, I love you. Thank you so much.
0: I love you too, friend.
1: Enjoy. And until soon, I can't wait to hear all about the puppers. Oh.
0: Oh, So many stories. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Talk soon. I